Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Splash Play Podcast. We do fantasy, we do sports betting, we do DFS. And most importantly today, we are going to get you into the fantasy playoffs. I don't care if your record is sub 500. Today, we dig deep. We find the sleepers. We get you to the fantasy playoffs, Spags. What do you say? I think that's what the people are here for. You saw the thumbnail. You might have guessed that uh, maybe people are tired of hearing about waiver wires in week 10, week 11. So we're going to give you guys the tips to win in your season-long league, hopefully sneak your way, no matter whether you deserve it or not, into the playoffs. We also have to take the L. We also have Monday night football picks, our rider dies for tomorrow. So everything you want and need. Pete, fill the air for 30 seconds while I put on the song. That's right. Let's do the music. I know I said 30 seconds. I should have said like one. I was going to say, like, (laughs) I can vamp, but that seems long. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Splash Play. Maybe uh, maybe a two-take intro there. Hard to say, hard to say, but we're here with you guys, as always. Sunday night football going on, going into the, about to go into halftime in a little bit. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by my friend and yours. You know him on social media as Peter Overzet. In real life, he's also Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. You know, it was... Uh one of those days where the chalk didn't hit and uh you know had some success in gpps couldn't quite get there we know all the prizes are are top heavy so if you're not getting to the very top you're not having a great day but um anything psychologically that isn't just getting absolutely buried feels good yeah honestly for me i was not feeling great to uh to start the i really going into the the end of the game with the cardinals where kyler murray that hail mary play probably the biggest real life play and fantasy play combined um i was feeling pretty bad about things alvin kamara and kyler murray carried me through to a profitable day which i feel like in this week of all weeks you have to feel good about and hopefully you guys are feeling good about your choices out there joining us on splash play today so Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube. Hit that notification bell, too, so you know whenever we have an episode that goes up, they go up after Sunday Night Football, after Thursday Night Football. Those are the two main times here for now. And uh, make sure you're also following at Splash Play Pod. If you were following us on there, you would have seen a little last-minute Hail Mary effort by for us to just try to get some more people into our Thrive Fantasy free roll. Pete, I don't know if you saw, but uh, first of all, we did not fill it. Second of all, it was a two-entry tournament, which I didn't realize. Third of all, uh, everybody cashed. <laughs> so that's the plus side of our partnership with Thrive. Of course, the promo code SPLASH enabled a deposit match over at Thrive Fantasy. But how did you do? Because I didn't see your lineup amidst the uh, the winning ones. That, that was wow. mean. That's out of meter. What a, what a needle. What a needle. Well, now I am going to pull it up. But as I'm pulling it up, I do need to say, come on, guys. I mean, the free rolls. I finished 40th out of 55. I mean, my goodness. Um, but come on. We're offering free rolls here. I mean, we, we talk like everything that we're trying to do is make people positive EV betters. We know how hard it is to win tournaments. So when there's free money on the line, you guys got to take advantage of this. And you have fish like me in here finishing 40th out of 55 people. I mean, this is a tournament you guys need to get into. Yeah, and honestly, the support for us means a lot right now. Thrive is our first sponsor. Uh, They're willing to take the leap with us because of the quality show that we bring each and every time where there's never a single mistake and all the picks are correct. We all know that about Splash Play. But really, more more importantly than that is for you guys, we wanted to make sure if we did an ad deal that uh, it actually had some benefit to you guys out there. And deposit match is great for building a bankroll. Again, they'll match up to $50 with the promo code SPLASH over at ThriveFantasy.com or by downloading Thrive Fantasy in the App Store. But also, like, my lineups, uh, my 
my prop bets rather for today on Thrive weren't the best either. And I still made five bucks finishing in the 20s. Um, I One of my friends joined just because I was like, hey, can you guys just join? Because we want to make sure we look good for <laughs> our sponsor. And he was in first place for the majority of the day too. And he's not an idiot. He's a smart guy, but he's no he's no sharp better or anything. So that's the thing that people out there miss. Um, so go take advantage of it. Make sure you check the pinned tweet on at Splash Play Pod. We'll have that when there's another contest next Sunday. And of course, we will give out a ride or die Monday night football pick for Thrive Fantasy as well. But um, again, this is a, a sponsor. We're not going to, you know, we're not misleading you about that. But it is important for you guys too to just take advantage of the stuff because uh, we made sure to get something cool in. And shout out to Zach Flores 33, Pete. Uh, he is the one who took it down. And I don't know if you know a Zach Flores. I haven't seen a Zach Flores interact with us on social media, but kudos to him working in the shadows and coming through. Yeah, no, I don't recognize the name either, but clearly a diehard Splash Play listener, you know, longtime uh, listener, first-time caller, happy to see him atop the leaderboards. And speaking of, another situation where, you know, it's you're guaranteed to make some cash if you throw our Thrive Fantasy free roll, though maybe next week they might cut that prize down a little bit because of our ineptitude, <laughs> so that's going to happen. But um, another Splash Play listener coming through even bigger in another tournament. Once again, we are now 10 for 10 in Millionaire Maker winners. You would think that's impossible, yet here we are claiming it again. Megan Joy, this one, Pete, we always say here on Splash Play, every night's ladies' night here at Splash Play, and uh, Megan Joy, who actually, I don't even know if Megan Joy is a woman or not, could just be a guy pretending to be a woman, but Megan Joy, always killing it at the top tournaments and does it once again, million dollars for Megan Joy. You know what? It's it's incredible, and frankly, I'm a little steamed up that Darren Rovell hasn't written an article about <laughs> Splash Play. I mean, how are media outlets not falling over themselves to write about this incredible run we've had here? I mean, it's absolutely stunning, and uh, I'm just so proud of this individual, and uh, it, it's great. It's humbling. Like, do I wish I won a million dollars? Sure, but what's the next best thing, Spags? One of our listeners doing it. Right, and of course, you know, the kickbacks coming through our Venmos, our Peter Overs at Venmo, or our at Chris Spags Venmo. You know, that'd be great too, but it's really, we're happy for Megan Joy, and as we always say here, the Millionaire Maker lineup for a given week does tell the tale of this week, and at quarterback Pete, the guy we talked about earlier, who's really the biggest story of Week 10, I would think, with that big win in the afternoon slate, Kyler Murray, 30.9 fantasy points for him, really not a great day as you're watching it, but he just kept piling it up, got the three touchdowns, including two rushing TDs, and uh, he also, uh, Megan Joy, excuse me, she, that's that's very, that was bad by me, that was misogynistic, she also stacked DeAndre Hopkins with uh, with Kyler Murray and ran it back in this game with, uh, was it with, no, it's Cole Beasley, not even with Diggs, so a Beasley run back with Hopkins and Murray, Pete, seems obvious now that game was the highest hold one on the slate, yet, uh, I'll tell you what, I didn't get there nearly enough. (laughs) Yeah, I was looking at some lineups, winning lineups, even on FanDuel too, and I noticed that theme where if you brought it back with Beasley instead of Diggs, and then you use that money to get up to someone like Kamara, um, you were able to really have success. And that's those are kind of the margins too, where it's like the construction makes sense. Like, you know, a stack with a bring back, but it's just getting a little bit more unique because the Diggs bring back was so popular and being able to get the same amount of points um, from someone much cheaper uh, was just a very sharp pivot. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a smart move here. And uh, as we say on here a lot, if you have a rushing QB, you don't need to double stack that QB with the receivers. Uh, if you have a guy who's a little more statuesque, a little more of a Ben Roethlisberger who actually uh, had a nice two-man stack with him today, uh, then that's the guy you want to do a double stack with. Kyler, not that dude. At running back, Megan Joy had Alvin Kamara and Josh Jacobs, two people who went over 32 fantasy points this week. And in a week where so many running backs, we're going to talk more about this, but Aaron Jones, a bust. Uh, Mike Davis, a bust. Duke Johnson, a bust. That 
accounted for about 80%, 90% of the running back ownership. And Pete, it just kind of shows that the play the best plays corollary is something that we talk about and a lot of other hosts out there talk about a lot. But I feel like it's never been more obvious. Just two guys who had massive volume, who we know get the touchdown equity, who we know their team is trying to feed them touches and Josh Jacobs and Alvin Kamara. They're the ones who get there. Yeah, no, and it's true. It's so funny too, because like I do the streams on my channel reviewing my lineups and it's like the weeks that Dalvin Cook goes off, the comments are all, Peter, don't overthink it. Just play Dalvin Cook, just do it. And then it's like, well, you know, some weeks these happen. Like I played Mike Davis. I thought he was hard to get off of. Granted, I'm, I'm playing more, you know, smaller single entry and three max as opposed to the, the bigger contest. But it is that thing, you know, sometimes the chalk doesn't hit. And when it doesn't hit, are we in position to benefit? Our buddy Alex Baker over at Osimo had a nice day. I saw he won the $1,500 single entry tournament and those are the kind of weeks that the contrarian players win when the chalk flops who stands to benefit and it's generally the contrarian players and I think too you know you could see this stuff if you have fantasy cruncher pro you can go through and review all the lineups you could also just pull it yourself if you want uh, but you know I'm sure that Alex played a lot of Mike Davis but he knew in the higher dollar tournaments that there was some risk that comes with Mike Davis sure you could put him playing up to 50% of them in uh, in GPP tournaments across those, you know, max 20s, max 150s that Pete just mentioned. But when you have the higher dollar tournaments, when you're trying to get a little bit different, you know, Mike Davis, a fine play, a fine value play on paper. But we talked about it. We've talked about the Monte Carlo Sims a lot on the show. Like you look at Mike Davis, he still, to me, just had a 50% chance of getting there. And if you haven't projected for 50% of ownership, you're probably going to do well by going somewhere else for at least, you know, a portion of those lineups. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do my lineups with the tilt space guys and we were in that same tournament with Alex and we finished, I think, uh, seventh. Um, but what was interesting is we ate the Mike Davis chalk, but again, we were pretty unique elsewhere. So even eating some of that, because so many lineups, like you said, had two, possibly three of Aaron Jones, Duke Johnson, and Mike Davis. So just even getting on a slightly different construction ends up putting you well ahead of the field when the chalk flops. And the rest of this lineup as well, as well had some different constructions. Uh, Deontay Johnson, a player who was mostly overlooked. Um, you know, Claypool, Chase Claypool had about as good of a day. Splash Claypool, of course, or whatever yeah. nickname would. I forget. He's just a splash bro. Did we have a, an official name for him? What was it? Chase Chase Splash Pool? I don't remember what we settled on. <laughs> yeah, whatever, it works. He's good anyway. He had a nice day too, but Deontay Johnson, a little better value, a little better day. That's a difference maker there. Um, he also, or see, I keep saying he, that this is really, I'm I'm showing my misogyny and I, I'm ashamed for it, Megan yeah, Joy. You guys tried to cancel me for saying handcuffs. I think we have to cancel Spags for making gender normative assumptions about Millie Maker. That's true. I should say they, them. I shouldn't even say she. That's where you that's should. where I've made a yeah. mistake. Cancel Spags. Cancel him again. Oh, we can Every three years, I just have to get canceled. That's the, the curse that I have. Uh, but in this lineup here, uh, Thomas for Logan Thomas. I was thinking Lance Thomas, which I was like, boy, great, great move for him coming over from the Brooklyn Nets and having a good day in fantasy. But Logan Thomas for the Washington. Washington football team. And then Josh Reynolds, Pete, this is something you actually talked about specifically last week. And then you went back to the well with Gabriel Davis, but just taking a receiver who's a little bit cheaper, who is going to be a little bit less owned from the highest scoring or one of the highest scoring games on the slate. The rest of the Rams busted, but Josh Reynolds gets there with 17.4 fantasy points. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, Seattle, again, has been the most forgiving team to opposing uh, pass offenses, and you never know who's going to get there. Uh, I didn't pick him, I don't think, like you mentioned in the ride or die. I had a decent amount of him in DFS, but I do think that's a pretty viable strategy. I mean, it checks so many boxes of being leverage, of being cheap. 
um, and, and being low owned, which is always a, a benefit as well. And it's still, you know, I think it's worth pointing out. It's still guys that are getting snaps. It's, you know, Josh Reynolds is running a lot out there. Um, he's not getting as many results for the most part, as many positive results in terms of the games as Cooper Cup, as Robert Woods. But uh, he's still out there running routes. And, you know, same thing with Gabriel Davis running routes. Definitely ran some more when John Brown was out. But the point is you're not taking a dart throw where it's like, oh, this guy runs one play in a game. And then I'm hoping he gets a 100-yard touchdown in his one play. It's people who are still out there getting a lot of work. And I think that's the important part to remember. Uh, if you are, you know, new to this, you know, play the straight up plays that's the first part to get right but then as you start to try to get a little more advanced try to get a little smarter uh, that's when you can work in the josh reynolds and gabriel davis is the world and maybe get some positive results like megan joy did so shout out megan joy for another millionaire maker winner amongst us yeah i i also want to give just a random i i retweeted this a few minutes ago but alan lem he works for roto grinders he just did a, a blog post about kind of like the mental um aspect of playing dfs and specifically tournaments and there's just a lot of good things in there about this idea of like we're trying to get first in tournaments which often means we're losing you know week after week and sometimes if you make bad decisions it's because you're just sick of losing and you just want to have a more conservative approach and i i just thought he articulated really well kind of that dynamic and how hard it is to be a, a tournament player and also just be willing to lose a lot of weeks in a row so if you're going through a down stretch right now or having uh trouble with that just know you're not alone and uh i think it's a good piece that people would enjoy yeah and honestly you know i something i was thinking about the other day because i was on a mediocre run for i think the last three weeks or so where i was had a great run to start the year and you know as as people catch up with the data and figure out you know you're not getting an edge quite as much by knowing oh this guy's good yet but people aren't on this guy yet they don't know that he's good uh, you know, that's sort of that's sort of started to catch up for the most part for the year. So, you know, your downswing can happen. I do think it's, you know, we got the last uh, back half really a little bit less than that. But this is a time where you could still make money. I think now there's been an adjustment to the adjustment. And now you can kind of get a read on everything and a little more of a level playing field moving forward. But uh, that's sort of the nature of the beast here. And uh, Pete, I guess let's talk about the big issue of the week, which is that Mike Davis. We talked about it. Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, Aaron Jones destroyed the slate. So much ownership. And actually, I think it's worth it uh, pulling up the uh, millionaire maker ownership because this is something I was looking at just out of curiosity and uh, so many guys up top busted today Aaron Jones did you know he was 43% owned the millionaire maker I I didn't I wasn't I only had a couple lineups in the millionaire maker I hadn't checked ownership yet that actually surprises me I mm -hmm. that seemed right for the single entry three max I'm shocked he got that high in the millie I'm surprised he was more than Mike Davis, who still was a big amount, uh, just under 41% for him. Keenan Allen, 24% is the next guy up. Duke Johnson, 23%. Uh, the Saints had an okay day. They were 22%. But Pete, that's the first like five guys in here in terms of ownership, and that's a lot of ownership uh, making up that tournament, who just are dead in the water. And I do think this shows, you know, this is an NBA. It's not where you, you get a guy at 3K, you plug him in, you go like, yeah, he's going to definitely get there. In football, there's so much variance, and Aaron Jones losing just a few touches to Jamal Williams early on. To me, that just made up his whole day, and I don't get how people got there at 45% almost. Yeah, I'm honestly stunned that um, uh, Aaron Jones was higher on than Mike Davis. And, you know, I kind of had an inkling. I wouldn't have ever put money that that would have happened, but I had people pushing back. You know, they would say, hey, he's going against Tampa Bay or, you know, all of these other things. And I was kind of surprised. I'm like, people didn't feel great about him. Whereas if you look in the Thunderdome where I, I, my buddy Mike Leone was in that this week, he was 95% owned. So you see the disparity and how the high stakes guys viewed him more looking at just the projections and what he offered from a point per dollar standpoint versus people who are maybe looking at the, uh, at the matchup. And I do think even though he didn't get there, 
I think if you were fading him because of the matchup, that's bad process. If you were fading him because you're like, hey, I see how much they're involving Curtis Samuel. I think uh, Rodney, whatever Smith is going to start getting carries. Like then I think you're justified. But if you're just fading him for the matchup, I, I don't think that's smart. There's also a period too where Mike Davis went to the locker room because he hurt his finger. So if you just know that Mike Davis has weak fingers, <laughs> that's a bit of an edge. Like you're like, oh, old, old dusty finger Mike. Like that's it's <laughs> been a classic problem of his. But yeah, I agree. Like I didn't think the ownership was right for me, especially when um, I think it's projection with Awesome which is the the main data source I use, and I also sprinkle in a couple others to to get my projections where I want them to be. But he was projected for I think 19 and change earlier in the week when we did our last show. That's where he was. He came down to 17 and a half as a projection today. And for me, that was enough of a difference where I was like, oh, I don't think this actually works for me quite as well. So I ended up just taking half the expected ownership for him. And uh, that ended up working out pretty well because of Alvin Kamara. And I guess that's, you know, we could segue. We'll talk a little more Alvin Kamara in a second. We can do that. But I think we have to talk also. Kyler Murray, the big Hail Mary win, gets DeAndre Hawkins there as well in that spot. Really nobody else on the Cardinals has a good day. Kenyon Drake, oh, close to viable. Chase Edmonds, close to viable. But those guys take enough away from each other. But Kyler Murray, Pete, to me, he's... Uh, Lamar Jackson is kind of not Lamar Jackson this year, but Kyler Murray is Lamar Jackson from where how I how I perceive it, where I don't know that I want to stack him up too much. I don't know how he's going to get there, but he's going to get there week after week. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, we a few weeks ago, or maybe it was even last week, we talked about like, what are the trends that have emerged this year? And uh, one of them fell to the wayside, but I remember the three we talked about was Kyler Murray, Devontae Adams and one of the Seattle wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can lose one of the Seattle wide receivers here. But again, you know, Kyler Murray is one of the most bankable things we have. And of course, like hitting a Hail Mary touchdown is a little fluky, but it just speaks to all of the different ways he can get there. You know, with the rushing, he just has ha such a high floor. And then he has lots of weapons and guys like DeAndre Hopkins who can make plays. So um, I ended up playing a lot of Kyler Murray today. Like I'm learning from my lesson. Like last year I was fading Lamar Jackson because I was like, oh, everyone's going to own him and like he's got to regress and it's like some things are here to stay and Kyler Murray's salary doesn't reflect what he's able to do right now I think especially in cash games like I would you know I'm not a big cash game player for NFL because uh, frankly I don't think it's a gigantic edge you know some people feel differently so that your your mileage may vary there but I do think Kyler if I were playing cash he'd be a guy I put in there and and I agree like I think every week we Devontae Adams to me I was uh, a little bit over the field on him again this week he didn't kill me because that's what he does every week is he's not going to kill you and Devontae Adams also could have been a slate breaker today he had one touchdown called back one 30 yard touchdown uh, because a whole that he got called back. Also, you know, a couple of other plays he was hurt. I think much like Mike Davis, hurt came back in. So, you know, just getting these guys in there who have the ceiling we know week after week, like Kyler Murray, like Dalvin Cook, like Devontae Adams, it's not a matter of being, you know, a chalk donkey or being an idiot or being a fish or whatever, because these guys had good results. Like these are the guys who have the workload this year, and you kind of have to start to marry your 2020 views with your 2019 views. And that's been an issue for me is like figuring out, like, oh, like AJ Green, kind of dead, T.Y. Hilton, kind of dead, like Larry Fitzgerald, kind of dead. And I shouldn't play as much of these guys, but you know, the guys who are younger and have that workload, you have to play. Yeah. And it also goes back to the thing about, you know, there's this, I, it goes back to the Mike Davis thing of you're not just playing Mike Davis because you think he can smash his value, but the construction, it opens you up to like, I was able to pay up for Kyler Murray in a ton of spots because of value like Mike Davis and Josh Reynolds too. So you have to think not only about the production, but the construction that it allows you to get on. And if you're able to afford these really premium plays, um, I think you, I think you got to do that. 
And the work was there for Mike Davis, too. The work was also there for Duke Johnson, who uh, we talked about it. We both agreed that it made more sense to us to play Mike Davis over Duke Johnson. He was a bit more expensive. Uh, certainly got the workload there in that in that game today, but uh, you know didn't do a lot with it. Hasn't been as efficient on the ground this year. And uh, you know I think there is a difference between a play like Mike Davis and Duke Johnson. Like I had less in the field of Duke. I had also less in the field of Mike Davis, but I was willing to get to 20% with Mike Davis because I got the logic with it. Whereas for Duke Johnson, if you paid, what, a couple hundred dollars more and went to DeAndre, Swift, you'd be feeling a lot better about your day, whereas Duke was just so obvious. And I think if you just ran the numbers, like you probably would have been like, oh, he's might not be as good as it seems. Yeah, no, I uh I think you know Duke was a tricky one because he was like I was looking, you know, one of the just simple things I do, I've talked about this. I look at ceiling projections and I look at ownership. And he wasn't projecting much better than a lot of guys in that range. Mm -hmm. You know, DeAndre Swift hit. So I can say that one, but there were other guys, Fournette, Gibson, all of those guys in that range, he wasn't uh, separating from them. And so to me, that's where bad chalk hits. Whereas I look at Mike Davis in the 4,000 range, like no one is even close um, from a projection standpoint. So I do think it's important to kind of get an understanding of the, of the slate there. And then you threw in the weather concerns and my, my concerns with the weather weren't necessarily around Duke Johnson specifically, but just it slows the game down. And what do we love in DFS? We love when the game speed up. That's why that Washington Detroit game was nice in the dome. We hear Derek Cardi always talk about the benefits of the dome. It's like these games can really speed up and it didn't seem like that was a game that was going to speed up. Yeah. And I think too, you know, there is a logic to when the wind is going to affect things in a meaningful way. And, you know, weather for football, I think tends to be a little overrated because I know there've been days, the, the, there was a snow game a couple years ago where um, Nick Foles went off. There was another snowy game. I feel like where Mark Sanchez, that actually might've just been a regular game. It just felt snowy because Mark Sanchez plays so poorly. Uh, but I feel like, you know, people sometimes run a little too much from weather, but the wind thing is serious. And I think it also, you saw a lot more guys in the box for Duke Johnson today, which, you know, not the data stuff we normally look at for DFS, but there's just it, things constrict like Pete mentioned. So something to keep in mind when you get these weather reports, like don't freak out over them. But when you see a total drop, like that Cleveland Houston one that dropped four and a half points over the course of the week, like that's a legitimate cause for concern in the weather. Whereas you know, the green Bay game didn't drop quite as much. And we saw Aaron Rodgers pass well. So maybe that's more the thing is like, you're worried about the weather, but really worry about the weather when you also see the Vegas total coming down with it. Yeah. And, and to that point too, like I, I don't think he should have been that high owned, but I understand the Aaron Jones chalk in that, you know, they were, they had a huge team total, big favorites, and he was underpriced at 7,100. Whereas Devonte Adams, I really balked at that price because at 9,000, he's got to get you 35 points to meet that value. And there were so many good top end wide receiver plays this week, like seven or eight of them that he didn't separate enough with all of those concerns. So it's one of those things that we keep coming back to, like everything's so specific, like there are slates specific. There might be slates where Devonte Adams and Duke Johnson make a lot of sense, but like on this slate, I didn't think they made a ton of sense. So I did play a little more Devontae Adams, and I guess I'll defend him a bit more because I had him at 30% because he was projected for 20% ownership, and I had him as having a 40% chance to be like a slate-breaking play, like a guy who's a number one receiver on the slate, potentially a top one guy overall. And to me, that's the logic you play, Adams, where I think actually, um, well, at some point, one of the top tournament lineups had a Devontae Adams in there because his 20 points didn't kill you and you know certainly could have been a little better. So I would push back a little on that where it's still a matter of you know looking at the overall all picture 
Um, that said, though, I, I agree. Like, you know, it's not a guy you load up on because he's so expensive and you're you're really putting your lineup build in a particular kind of construction as well, which can be death in some of these big GPPs. So that's uh, something to think about. Uh, let's talk real fast. The injuries, it's two NFC South QBs injured today um, and could be interesting. One, actually, I think uh, might affect our waiver wire snake draft later, Pete. But Drew Brees hurt. This is the first one. We saw Jameis Winston, and I got to say, Pete, it was just nice to see him back out there. I I missed him. I missed what he does. I missed him taking stupid sacks. Like, he didn't make as many bad throws because they were ahead most of the game, didn't have to do a ton. But I, I kind of, you know, I, I don't want Drew Brees. I'm not going to wish, you know, ill will towards him, and he's kind of figured it out the last two weeks. But, Pete, I really want to see Jameis get a start. Like, I just want to see him out there slinging it. Maybe even get Michael Thomas going, who is who is not going at all. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm torn because I agree with you. I want to see Jameis Winston out there. On the other hand, what I learned today is someone who had a lot of Michael Thomas in DFS, Jameis Winston is not a good fit for Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas wants to run. You know, he's infam- infamously called Slant Boy. You know, the quick hitter timing precision routes. Like Michael Thomas with Tom Brady, oh man, that would be gorgeous. Michael Thomas with Jameis Winston, not so great. Um, so yeah, he there were lots of passes where he overthrew them. Their, their timing was off on routes. And maybe that just speaks to them not getting any practice time uh, together. But I do think it's intriguing for the offense on the whole because they've been such a low A dot dink and dunk team with Breeze that it would be interesting to see them expand it a little bit. Um, yeah, I have no idea. It seemed like Breeze wanted to come back in at the Mm -hmm. end of the game. So I don't know if he's going to end up missing time or not. Yeah. He had his helmet on in the start of the second half too, and was sitting on the sideline. And I guess uh, they had filmed some, not an altercation, but like, you know, a little bit of a, an obvious physical, you know, verbal disagreement with, uh, with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And I guess Brees thought he was okay. They opted to not keep him in. Uh, So I would agree. I don't think he's going to be out long, but I I just want it. I also think here's a question, Pete, the trade deadlines pass for the NFL, but Mike Evans or Mike Thomas, who says no. Mike Evans for Mike Thomas. The only funny thing about that is like Mike Thomas and Godwin have a little bit more redundant skill yeah. sets. Um, so maybe the Bucks say no, but I think the Saints would snap except knowing what a locker room issue Michael Thomas is. And then you get Mike Evans on and Marshawn Lattimore on the same team. So you could take away one of Mike <laughs> Evans' weaknesses. But I, I just want to see Jameis throw to somebody who's going to make the effort. And and uh, Michael Thomas, I think there is some legitimate cause for concern. And I guess, Pete, I'll, I'll ask you, what's your thoughts on Michael Thomas's prospects moving forward? Because one thing that jumped out to me was, and it's, sort of, it's still a very limited sample size, but it's not going to get better after today. But he's not getting targeted a lot per route. And that's always something that's kind of problematic. Granted, you know, two games and two matchups as well, where uh, they know what he's going to do. They've sold out to stop him. But, you know, 19% target per route for Michael Thomas is not great. Uh, you compare that to Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams is getting targeted, uh, let's see, 32% of the time he's running a route. Like, that's a big discrepancy. And it also kind of goes to, I think, what you said last week, where Devontae Adams is the new Michael Thomas, and, and maybe Michael Thomas, maybe Alvin Kamara is the new Michael Thomas for just the Saints. Yeah, I think it's tricky. Um, You know, we're all trying to untangle, you know, coming back from injury, getting worked in. You know, I I was disappointed now uh, with this production. I think we have to readjust. And last year, he was the engine of this offense. And that's just not the case this year. And I don't know if it's because of where he's at health-wise or if it's, you know, there's some kind of, you know, he's lost a step. But yeah, I, I, I need to adjust. And, you know, at 7,400, I'm sitting there, you know, thinking, whoa, what if I get 11 targets from Michael Thomas here in the dome? Uh, we're really cooking. But 
yeah, I, I, I don't have my hand in the dirt enough. I haven't seen enough of a sample size to really know exactly what's going on. I know I was watching and Winston missed him a few times. They had a couple looks for him in the end zone too, where they overthrew him. So maybe if a few of those go differently, we're talking about this in a different way, but I do think it's concerning and we have to adjust how we initially thought about him. Yeah. And the price will continue to come down. So I, I certainly don't mind having some exposure, but you know, I wouldn't slam dunk him in right now until we see something. I think sometimes, especially with the year over year sample size and, um, and quite frankly, they paid both guys and it does seem like Kamara for whatever reason, uh, they paid him and they really want to make, get the most out of his, you know, whatever years he's going to be on that contract. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Another injury, Pete, that I think could be really is it sucks because I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. I know you tweeted a clip of him in the, the press conference, making some jokes, having some fun out there as the Panthers. Actually, their social team seems to put out a lot of funny content. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you cobble that together, but they, they've been doing that a little more. That's the same thing with Robbie Anderson with that play that uh, the clip we talked about earlier in the year with, uh, with Sir Purr. <laughs> Yeah, they have, they have some characters on their team uh, between Robbie Anderson. Uh, we Didn't we share the one, too, where they were singing Sweet Caroline in the locker room oh, yeah, and Robbie right. Anderson definitely did not know the words <laughs> to the song? Um, oh, I love Robbie. Yeah, so I, I love those guys. Yeah, and, the, and Teddy seems like a, a great dude as well. So, yeah, shout out to the, uh, the California – or California – the Carolina <laughs> Panthers. Keep pounding. The Keep California down. Panthers are my favorite team as well. But yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, it, it sucks. He hurt. It's worth noting, though, his knee that got hurt. There was an MRI going on. I didn't see the results of that uh, that came through on Twitter. But uh, it was not as it previously exploded leg. So if we're going to weigh the knee injuries, it's a positive that's not on the leg that almost led to him dying before. And it's like it sucks to joke. Like, but like, Jesus Christ, that was such a bad leg injury. But here's the thing, though. If he misses next week, uh, they play the Lions. And Pete, you, you didn't follow the XFL too closely, did you? I did actually. I was oh. in those XFL uh, XFL streets for DFS. So you know who's the backup, right? For for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, it is. They brought in um, uh, Cam. No, Cam Phillips was the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Who's the quarterback? PJ Walker. PJ Walker. Walker. So yep. so PJ Walker was the find of the XFL year. Where if you played him with Cam Phillips, who Pete just mentioned, I'm a guy who's a, a slow receiver but was able to get enough separation in the XFL. You know, less competition. But the thing with Philip uh, with with Philip Walker, it's actually his real name is Philip Walker, but he switched to PJ Walker, I think now. But PJ Walker is like he's Willie Beeman in any given Sunday come to real life, where he's just a dude who slings it downfield and that run and shoot offense they had it for the Houston team in the XFL like he was an absolute monster and I do think you know in terms of a quarterback for that Joe Brady offense that we were big on we talked about before the season kind of started slow but has mostly been getting good production I think Walker could really be a dude if he's playing the Lions next week and he's going to be like 5k on DraftKings like he could be an actual monster and nobody in the NFL streets are going to know who he is and I like I'm so I just want Teddy just Teddy take the time off get better but I want to see PJ Walker out there so bad. Yeah, it would be fun. And one of the the reasons people uh, really enjoyed PJ Walker in the XFL is he didn't have any fear. You know, there was all this kind of, some of these quarterbacks had hesitation and stuff and he just would come in there and just would rip throws like through tight windows. He was, um, he, he was a playmaker. And so I think that's a a characteristic we see sometimes with these backup quarterbacks. Um, I think even Gilbert uh, Walker or whatever on the Cowboys came in and kind of just had no fear. Some did what did I mess up his name? You you combined him with PJ Walker, Garrett Gilbert. So you got Garrett Gilbert. I can't keep track. PJ Walker, Gilbert Walker. (laughs) 
they're all whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a he's a playmaker, man. I I would like I would like to see it uh, as well. It's actually kind of funny stylistically because Teddy is considered more of kind of like the conservative, yeah. you know, high efficiency guy. It would be interesting to see PJ Walker if he pushes the ball down the field a little bit more. And if PJ runs it like Teddy does, I mean, Teddy, another touchdown today, running pretty aggressively, doing what he can, which is, you know, the sad part of this is that he's really been, whatever the situation is, he's been doing everything he can to make this Panthers team viable, including running the ball, putting himself at risk. Um, So, you know, that part's sad, but I do think Walker, it's also worth pointing out, Matt Rule was his coach at Temple. So there's a real familiarity with this guy and and what he can do. And at Temple, before the XFL season started, I watched like his highlights. It was like, holy shit, this dude is like something. Like he's either going to be a disaster, but it's going to be fun. Because I think he also beat out, uh, who was the, the pre- Connor Cook, I think was a presumptive starter in the XFL. And that was a guy who was like one of their, their bell cow, like, oh, let's put this guy in the marketing materials. And Walker beat him out straight up. Like he won the job in, in the initial parts. And I do think there's a chance. So watch that one closely as the week goes on. Obviously, uh, this may come up again in the waiver wire snake draft. Now I'm giving away my position, Pete. That's the, <laughs> the downside. But I love this dude. He was was the most fun part of the XFL by far. Here's the thing. You always enjoy the quarterbacks way more in the waiver wire draft than I do. So <laughs> I will tell you right now, if you want to draft PJ Walker in the last round of the waiver wire draft, you will be able to get him there. Okay, good. That's what I was hoping, but I was, I didn't know if my enthusiasm might make you stop on my dreams here. Also shout out to the waiver wire snake draft. Last week, I felt kind of bad about taking of all this scantling uh, with Alan Lazard kind of on the cusp of coming back. And then boy, MVS broke the slate today. <laughs> I know I, he would have, I, I mean, I would have loved, what was his, uh, Millie maker ownership, you know, oh, he was, he that, was sub five easy. Yeah. I was going to say too, because there was the big wind concerns. It's like, and it's just so ironic too. You see mm. with the wind concern and then he catches a deep ball that he takes to the house. I didn't see that uh, ball sputtering at all in the wind. No. Yeah. It's, it's one of those weird things. Uh, only four catches for him on the day, but he went off in a big way. And I think he might actually be on our, uh, yeah, he's on our stat shaming. So let's not, let's not spoil that right now, but let's go into our take the L segment and make sure you are hitting that like button and subscribing. And also Pete, the, the Apple podcast people, they're a part of something more special than that, which I'll let you lead into. If people haven't caught this fantastic bit you've stumbled upon for us with our Apple podcast reviews. Well, I, I have to met, I mean, you mentioned it between our last show that we had a few people signing our guest book registry on iTunes. Have we gotten any new ones since then? Uh, I don't, it takes a little bit to catch up. I actually haven't looked, but I'm going to assume it's still working. Okay. Cause I'm <laughs> just like, you know, we, I mean, I can't say that I paid for it. My mom and my parents paid for this beautiful <laughs> wedding for Spags and I, and like the least you can do is sign our guest book. And I'm getting sad just thinking about it, but we we put out hors d'oeuvres. I mean, we had the shrimp cocktail bar for you guys. We had those little uh, bacon wrapped scallops that we brought around. And the least you can do is just head to iTunes, sign our guest book, and tell us how much you loved the bacon wrapped scallops. Can they just do that for us, Spags? It would be nice. I mean, tell us your favorite uh, dish that you had at the wedding. Tell us you like the chocolate fountain. Tell us anything you like about the podcast, but give us a review here because we really are cherishing it. I mean, this podcast, that that Apple podcast page in particular, is going to be a scrapbook, and I can guarantee you, Pete, I know you're not quite the same way, but I will remember every person who crossed us, and I'll remember every person who supported us in these initial stages. Yeah, and I do want to apologize. I told the DJ not to play Cotton Eye Joe. He did play Cotton Eye Joe. I didn't want it. So don't hold that against us. Please sign the guest book. Let's just remember the good times. 
Let's remember the good times. So go do that on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, we appreciate it a bunch. Your support on there helps us. As always, it's just me and Pete doing this. We don't have anybody else besides Willis helping us out with the ride or die picks. So uh, make sure you're supporting us as much as you can if you enjoy the show. Uh, take the L, Pete. Here's the first L I'm going to be willing to take very wholeheartedly. Jared Goff, he sucks so bad that he also killed the Seahawks passing game by just being on the field with them. And here's one thing that just jumped out to me, and it's worth revisiting. I actually mentioned it on the Osmo Live Before Lock show, which I'm doing on Sunday mornings. I know Pete's got some shows on Sunday mornings too, so put put us both on one screen and see how it goes, I guess, would be (laughs) the move there. But Jared Goff under pressure has been... Uh, slightly better than Drew Locke, but slightly better than Baker Mayfield, but worse than every other quarterback in the league who's played more than a couple games. So the only other guys in his category under pressure, this is, um, are guys like Brett Rippon, Jake Luton, who also had a tough day under pressure today. But Jared Goff, when people are, are pressuring him, he is now down or going into today's game, down to a 37 QB rating, down to a 20, up to a 29% sack rate when he's getting pressured. Um, he's getting 1.5 yards per drop back when he's getting pressured. Like he sucks so bad. And I should have just known Seattle would be like, yeah, we're just going to go real aggressive at him. And if he beats us downfield, so be it, but he's not going to beat us downfield. And that's exactly what happened today is he just was flustered at every turn. You know, granted, they got the results they wanted, but uh, still, I, I'm i so mad at playing any Jared Goff, even though I, 10% Pete was too much for me. Did you have any of this fine fellow today in a spot that's been so good playing Seattle secondary and uh, not for old Jared? Yeah, no, I did have some Jared Goff. And I think the thing that sucks is you could have seen the pass to a really big game because... McVay likes to call the game in a really game script dependent way. So they have two really nice drives. They end up rushing it in. So you lose those touchdowns. Then they get the lead. And of course, McVay is going to protect the lead by running the ball. So it just was really poor luck. Like if you have Seattle get up first and then a couple of those early rushing touchdowns or passing touchdowns, like you could have had a massive game for Jared Goff. So that's the thing about, uh, the Rams in general is McVay is just so wonky with his play calling. So I think it, I'm going to trust the process on that play. Um, my L, you know, we talked about like, I like chasing these low owned cheap guys in high scoring games. Sometimes it works out with Josh Reynolds. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we mentioned Gabriel Davis. I whiffed on that one. I also whiff. I keep chasing these Seattle tight ends. Jacob Hollister did not in fact outscore Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. He also didn't even in fact, Outscore the other two tight ends on the team, Will Disley and Greg Olson. Um, You know, one thing I worried about was how much, and I talked with Mike Leone about this because he does projections and like, what do you view or weight more? Like the three week sample where Hollister had pulled ahead in targets or the full season sample. This kind of proves today with Greg Olson getting a couple more targets that the full season sample is more reflective of how this is going to be. And, and just because Jacob Hollister led them in routes and targets last week doesn't mean it's going to stay. And the thing, too, is the snap count was what jumped out to me was these guys with Disley, uh, Hollister, and Olsen all pretty much at the same snap count. And it kind of seemed like the the death of Greg. I'm saying death too much for these guys. They're, they're, they're live and they're thriving, so <laughs> good for them. But the demise of Greg Olsen as a fantasy tight end, I feel like, was a little bit premature because I think they were both or they were all at like roughly 20 snaps last week. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that. I don't have the numbers in front of me. And uh, though, it, though, Pete, we have to give a little pat on the back. If PFF has snap counts sometime before the season ends, uh, the people out there can now know who to credit. It's us over here at Splash Play. 
No, it's Spags. Spags has been DMing with Eric. He's been doing, you know, quality control, uh, QA, all of this stuff. They're working to get Spags the CSV exports that he needs. And uh, yeah, I just also want to say to Greg Olson, like he's got his TE1 podcast on Blue Wire. I can't listen to any podcast without hearing a promo for this. Dude, leave the podcast to us. Actually, no. If you're going to podcast, you need to leave the production to Jacob Hollister, the tight end production. Or if you want to do the podcast, um, I guess we'll allow that. But yeah, I'm, I'm steamed up at Greg Olson. You know, uh, actually, here's a fun thing which you might not know. And I know you have your famous football friend, Patrick Laird, who's actually, you know, your pal. You guys DM, you you send sexy photos to each other. Just, you know, just to keep each other on each other's toes, I feel like is what that is. But for me... Pete, you know, actually, there are two football players who jump out that follow me, which I find interesting. But one tight end follows me who's a pretty big deal. Do you know who it is? Well, I feel like the Sega, is it Greg Olson? It's George Kittle, which I didn't even know. He's like a big barstool guy and also a pro wrestling guy. So maybe there's some overlap there. But he's he followed me and I followed him back. And I, I actually thought I followed him the day that he got injured, just coincidentally. And I was like, oh, like, should I send him a DM and be like, are you like, I hope you're all right, man. Thanks for the follow. <laughs> this That's actually impressive because I just pulled it up because sometimes you pull these guys up and they follow 100,000 people, but he's sub a thousand followers. So I, I think that's impressive. The question is, I have been booking our guests. Why have you not booked George Kittle? That's a good point. I don't know what his takes are on DFS. I feel like it might be a little tight end heavy, but uh, yes, yeah, some some people out there. Uh, the other one who follows me, which he actually did DM me once in a weird and not not sexually edited. Des Bryant follows me. Really? And he DM me because he was like, "You work in actually, you know what? It's it's honestly worth me pulling up the tweet or the the DM because." And, you know, I'm sure De- Des knows how the game goes. He's not going to be mad at this. Des Bryant DM me one time saying, I see you are a writer. I've been working on something for six plus years, maybe longer. I want to share it with you. Help me get it out to the world. This was June 21st. I replied, I'm up to help whoever I can. What do you have in mind? Slash what's a good first step to you? And you know what? Old Des never got back to me. Did the, did, this was this June? Yeah. So during wow. the pandemic, Des was like, I have to share something with the world. I want you, <laughs> I want you guys to know. Dude, I think you should you should follow back up. Uh, let's see what we can do here. Well, now he's busy not catching passes for the Ravens. So that's he's busy a- getting called up and then relegated to the practice squad over and over. Yeah, he's he's basically like a minor league guy or a COVID replacement equivalent. <laughs> but yeah, so two guys. So I don't. This, I guess this segment was just uh, to balance out me having to take the L on Jared Goff. <laughs> Either way, uh, two fun facts. I have to take one more L here, Pete. James Connor. I don't know what to do, man. He's going to pop up for me every week, and I feel bad talking about him on shows now because if he didn't get there versus the Cowboys, you know, today I thought, oh, bounce back game. Everybody got burned by him as chalk last week. I don't know what to do. Like, he's getting the touches. He's getting goal line work. He's getting red zone carries. But then when he's running hot, Ben just audibles to a pass. <laughs> it's the most upsetting thing because you see Ben be like, oh, he like, he'll look at the line and be like, no, 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 let's do something else. And then he just throws a little pass to Chase Claypool, throws it to Deontay Johnson. It's very upsetting, but I know you're not a Connor guy. So how does my obsession with Connor come across to you? Because I don't know what to do, man. <laughs> it's hurting me every week. Yeah, I was honestly, Connor was on my, in my, uh, my initial GPP pool this week. I thought he was going to end up being like a good late swap, especially once Kenyon Drake was active and Chase Edmonds wasn't available. My concern for Connor was similar to Duke Johnson because then the weather concerns got boosted there. And I was just like, is this a game that can really shoot out? There ended up being a ton of points. So I don't think it was a bad, uh, process play, but I think they just, um, 
they like involving so many different guys at this point. And they'll use Chase Claypool around the goal mm. line. So he just doesn't have kind of like the bell cow role that some of these other guys have. And uh, at this point, I think we just need his price to drop so we can justify playing him more consistently. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's so strange. Cause I, I mean like adding some different stats to, to see things like he has 56% of the rushing TDs for the Steelers going into today's game. He's got 19% of the overall TDs for them, but he just on a week to week basis, he's not there. And it's going to suck because the week that he has like 35 fantasy points and breaks the slate, I'll have 10% of him. Cause I'm like, I can't keep doing this James. I'm going to have a sit down conversation, but look, I think you got to play James Conner some, but uh, my lesson is I cannot rely on James Conner anymore, no matter how he pops up. And apparently I can rely on Chase Claypool, which seemed like a stupid play, but I played too much of him today. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i just starting to do a little mental math on the ride or die, and I think I crushed this week. So I didn't update everything here, and I, I usually do the tallying here if I don't see Willis put it in, and I didn't tally the afternoon ones, but... Um, I think actually, oh, you, you actually might've nailed a couple of really good ones here. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, the ones I started tallying were the late game ones. So I, cause I think I got Jakeem Grant over Keenan Allen. I got Brandon Ayuk over 20 chase Claypool over 20, uh, Marvin Jones over 20. I think I had a good day. This might've been your big catch up week. Actually. I'd, also, I didn't realize that you played Ayuk over 20. I was like, Oh, I felt so good about playing Ayuk over 20. And I somehow oh, ended up washed on that one. <laughs> you know, apparently I had Michael Thomas in that game, which did not oh, work. Michael. This is all right. Well, we'll do that a little bit later in the show, but it might be a Pete win this week, barring an absolute miracle tomorrow. But I don't actually, I don't even think the showdown captain will bail me no, out. You, dude, you might actually because Willie Sneed already scored a touchdown tonight. So you could bink Willie Sneed showdown captain. That would be nice. I would, <laughs> I would, I would take that. Though at this point, I, if on a week to week basis, the overall records week to week, like I'm, I'm feeling good about that, but the point totals are actually not as far off as they should be given the amount of L's we've taken on a week to week. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's still, uh, it's still early, you know, it um, but it's, it seems like it's a Pete week. It is. It is possibly a Pete week. Uh, guys hit that like button. We're going to take some victory laps here. So there's one victory lap. Pete beat me, uh, beat me to the segment there, but my victory lap for the week was just not playing all Mike Davis. One of the guys I do the live before lock show today for Osmo with uh, Greg Ehrenberg, who you probably might've seen on DK live, uh, just a dude who does a lot of DFS content out there. And he played a hundred percent Mike Davis. And I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy, that's not good. So just not doing that, going to Alvin Kamara, that was my one thing. And I'd say not falling for Michael Thomas's BS. I will take that as another victory lap. But Pete, any notable victory laps you really want to take here before we get to the stat shaming? Um, you know, uh no, like those ones I, I did have pieces of. I had Brandon Ayuk. The problem was I had Brandon Ayuk with a lot of Michael Thomas because I was correlating those guys in a lineup. Um, I, I picked Marvin Jones over 20 DK points and I didn't have him in any of my lineups. So, um, yeah, you know, I would say my victory lap was just not getting scared off of Kyler despite the ownership and trusting that I could build unique around him. And I thought it was a week where you could justifiably afford getting up to Kyler. Cause I thought he just separated from all the other options in a pretty big way. So I guess that'll be my very small, it would be a quick jog, like almost like a 200 meter <laughs> victory lap it's not even a full 400 meters just i barely even break a sweat it's a jaunt in a little sheepish wave and then, <laughs> and then you're done i played the best quarterback of the year thank you thank you like <laughs> not not all heroes wear capes pete we all know that uh next up stat shaming here did these plays get unsustainable numbers or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy amount of 
touches. And uh, I think the first one that we have to talk about is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Four catches, 149 yards, and a TD on six targets. And Marquez, you were my number one waiver wire snake draft pick last week. And honestly, you're probably going to be on my list again because people did not pick him up. He's still only 10% owned. But Alan Lazard is coming back. He could have played this week, potentially didn't get in there. Lazard's going to take enough off the table where Scantling is now a dude who's going to bust every other week, potentially. And then, you know, he'll have some weeks that he's good when Lazard is better covered and Adams is also better covered. But Pete, I, I like Valdez Scantling a lot. I put him in there. He looks good to me. I get, I get it. I love them this week. But next week, I think it may be like, Oh, oh, Marquez, you did not need to go with that outfit on the red carpet. And that's how I feel about MVS. Yeah, I think I think we know what MVS is, right? Like he is the epitome of the boom bus guy. Like you you have to be ready for the zero, but he can also single-handedly win you your weeks when he connects with that big play. So to me, he's the kind of guy where, you know, if you're really behind in a matchup, like say your guys go on Thursday and you need massive upside, I think he makes sense if you're able to start four or five wide receivers in a league. I like having him as like my fifth guy. Um, So yeah, I think it's uh, contextual to what you need, but he has that GPP profile. Like he's either going to uh, sink you or take you to the top. Another guy here in stat shaming, Cole Beasley, 11 catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets. I honestly walked back my Cole Beasley amount, so coming into the week, I did not think that Cole Beasley was capable of, of stunting on us. People still say stunting on way, yeah, Pete, I feel like your outfit, you seem like somebody would be stunting on me with a neon green. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I always stunt on yeah, the haters. You, you're sure. always stunting. That's the thing with the, yeah. the Malibu's most wanted style look, a young Jamie Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> I would say that uh, for me, Cole Beasley, I didn't think he was capable of this. I didn't know that he had uh, this this massive look to him, this ability to be thick and be beautiful, to be uh, to be the Lizzo of target share. <laughs> but I do think that he, this is what he is. Like he honestly, and it's kind of sucks because I do like John Brown more. But if you're going to go to the stacks, like for the most part, you probably should be going to Beasley and dig stacks more with Allen or, or even, you know, just if you're doing the single man stacks with Josh Allen because he runs like Beasley is getting a lot of the yards. He's getting actually more targets per game than John Brown. And he has this massive upside and tough matchup. So I think this is actually sustainable for Beasley. I just don't think he gets there every week, but I think he's got to be in your player pools because we know the Bills offense and we know, you know, just what he's capable of now. Like 30 fantasy points would have seemed crazy last year, but this is the Cole Beasley of 2020 and I'm in on it. Yeah, I was talking about this with uh, Holka and Leone earlier in that, you know, I think people have uh, a connotation for slot receivers. You're you're Adam Humphreys, you know, you're Danny Amendola's and you think, oh, low upside. But the one difference about Cole Beasley is they actually use him in the red zone as well. And I think that's really the big differentiator of, yeah, he's going to rack up catches in the middle of the field. But if you also get that touchdown, I mean, then you're, you're into Jamison Crowder territory as far as what these guys can offer. So yeah, I'm with you. And I think we've seen the bills really spread it around a ton. Like Josh Allen doesn't force it to anyone. So while Diggs will always have like the highest TD expectation, I think they end up being a great GPP team because you can find all these leverage points. I mean, it didn't work today, but even Gabriel Davis, John Brown, um, if you want to punt it off with one of the tight ends, I think, I think it's really viable, especially when ownership concentrates so heavily, like we were all collectively so sure Stefan Diggs would be the one who'd smash. And, and it just shows how being price sensitive and ownership sensitive matters because Diggs had a fine day, but he was also more expensive and more owned 
than Cole Beasley and just getting down to that and making that pivot was all the difference. Yeah. And coming into today too, um, obviously I don't have all the stats from today mixed in yet, but you know, it's kind of surprises me a 16% touchdown share of receiving touchdowns for Stefan Diggs, 16% for, uh, for Gabriel Davis, which would not have thought he's that high, but then also Beasley and Brown tied at 10.5%. So like, it's a pretty even distribution there for the touchdowns, and um, it's going to go a little bit better for for Beasley and for Diggs this week. But you know, still, like that's sort of the hierarchy you'd expect. And Beasley getting more touchdowns, I agree. You would think he's just a pure PPR guy, but no, he's getting those touchdowns as much as a guy like John Brown, who I think a lot of people would still file away as the ultimate boom bust GPP guy. Another stat shaming guy here, who I think. I guess we might be 0 for 3 on the stat shaming, or at least being able to accept these people on their terms. DeAndre Swift, 16 carries, 81 yards, 5 catches for 68 yards, and a touchdown on 5 targets. Uh, He also officially named the starter today, which normally doesn't matter, but it did seem they got him over 20 touches today. Adrian Peterson still getting some work, but uh, Pete, you've been a Swifty since day one, so I'll let you get the first crack here. You want to stat shame him, or you think he's, he's beautiful just how he is? No, I, I'm not going to stat shame DeAndre Swift. I mean, the only no one has ever questioned his talent. I mean, he was a very highly rated prospect. The Lions invested significant draft capital in him. The only question was like, we can't survive a three-man committee. Last week, both Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson each had three catches. And it's like, man, that is really hard. You have to be truly transcendent to emerge from a three-man committee. And this week, we saw them slowly phase out Kerryon Johnson. And man... DeAndre Swift looked electric every time he he touched the ball. He's like, uh, I don't play enough video games to know what the spin move is, but he was hitting that button over and over. The B button, I believe, on on Xbox. I think it's a circle on on PlayStation. It's still the same, like the right button. But yeah, that's that's fair. He was wearing that button out. See, that's me resonating. (laughs) With the Gen Z guy. He was stunting on him with the B button. That's what he was doing. Uh, let's keep going here. The waiver wire snake draft. So this is really these next two segments here. If you're a person who's just searching around on YouTube, hopefully these will give you guys some guidance. But the waiver wire snake draft, we pick the guys available on waivers for any show out there. Gives their waiver wire picks. Where These are all the guys who are owned under 40% of leagues. And then next segment up, we're going to do how to sneak into the season-long playoffs. So if you are desperate, you're on the cusp there. We'll give you some, you know, some little guidance about how we would do that. But the waiver wire snake draft, Pete, you know how it goes here. I'll let you go first again because uh, you've basically allowed me to have PJ Walker. So I'll allow you a niceness in return. Wow. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go all the way back to Thursday night, which, uh, you know, a lot of us aren't old enough to remember. But, uh, you know, one thing I've talked about a lot this year is kind of the year of these rookie wide receiver breakouts. And we got another one on Thursday night with Michael Pittman Jr., uh, for the Colts, he's still owned in, let's see here, less than, yeah, only 5% of ESPN leagues. And the nice thing about the Thursday guys is I feel like sometimes they fly a little bit more under the radar by the time Wednesday or Tuesday rolls around. And uh, yeah, he had seven targets uh, or eight targets, seven catches, 101 yards. Um, they even gave him a carry that he took for 21 yards. So that's the kind of usage we love to see, kind of similar to what we saw from Brandon Ayuk, where they use him down the field, also get him some touches. And we know, like, you know me, I'm ready to write off T.Y. Hilton. And so to see a young, exciting rookie come in here and perform really well, I think these are the guys, like, we're looking for who's the A.J. Brown this year? Who is going to explode down the stretch? And I think Michael Pittman Jr. is a candidate for that. No, I, I drafted him a couple weeks ago and actually was going to go back to him today. I drafted him before he got injured in the waiver wire. And I agree, you know, maybe a little biased because he is a, a former USC guy, but um, he's been getting targeted a good amount while he's out there. And I, I would agree here. T.Y. Hilton clearly not 
able to find that rapport with Philip Rivers you need. But Pittman has been able to. Zach Pascal also some weeks been able to. I don't know if he's an every week play, but I would agree that he's a worthwhile pick here. Um, for me, I'm going to pick a guy who's actually playing as we speak right now in the Sunday night game, but actually played a lot of him in the showdown tonight because he has a gigantic touchdown share for the Patriots in a way that you wouldn't expect. Rex Burkhead, like, I don't want to play Rex Burkhead. I do think Damian Harris is the guy they should give more to, but they clearly are relying on him. And let me just pull this up real fast because it kind of blew my mind uh, to see these numbers while I was preparing for the showdown slate. But Burkhead's got 20, 25% of the team's touchdowns on the year. Like, in total, he gets rushing touchdowns. He's leading the team in rushing touchdowns. He's also leading the team in receiving touchdowns. Going into tonight, he had 33%. He got two touchdowns so far tonight, so he's going to have even more today. But he's just involved in a way that I think he should be higher on than he is, especially with running back being as dire as it is. And Pete, I know you drafted him before too, but uh, Rex Burkhead still under 40%. How does that sound? Yeah, no, I, I, I like him too. I think it's so funny because I feel like history is repeating themselves where the Pats draft, you know, Damian Harris is having a pretty solid night tonight. He's filling into that Sony Michelle role. But like when Damian Harris is on the field, you know what they're doing. They're running the ball. When James White is on the field, you know what they're doing. They're passing the ball. Rex Burkett is the one guy in that backfield where they don't have to tip their hand because he can both rush and catch passes. So to me, he's still like the platonic ideal of what you want in a, in a running back. Um, the Patriots will stubbornly continue to feature all three guys, but yeah, I, I think he's definitely should be owned in a lot of leagues and can help people through the bye weeks here uh, before the playoff stretch. And I would say too, it's worth pointing out that James White is just not the same dude this year, not getting involved as much. Also, you know, has had some personal uh, dramas and issues with uh, some deaths in his life. So, you know, he can't, can't fully hold that against him, but um, yeah, he definitely has not been as involved and Burkhead's kind of taken some of that role away. Um, and I get the turn here for the snake draft. So I'm, Oh boy this now it gets a little questionable but you know what i'm gonna do it one more week here because apparently people didn't take our waiver wire sync draft seriously enough last week you got to own marquez valdez scantling he's only 10 percent rostered at this point in espn that's just not that's not enough like given what's rostered naheem hines is 40 percent rostered valdez scantling is going to be a boom bust guy but if you're in you have some buys coming up i i certainly don't mind putting him out there even with lazard back in the mix uh pete you can take the pick on the turn here because we've talked enough about mvs for today yeah, I'm going to do, uh, you know, I hope my buddy Patrick Laird isn't listening to this, but Salvan Ahmed oh, I like uh, has come in for the Dolphins and just been really, really good. Last week, they were kind of working him in a little bit. It was his first game on the active roster. This week, he had 21 carries. And to me, what's really fascinating is they trade for DeAndre Washington. He kind of has a multi-purpose skill set. I thought he might get more work. And then they deactivate Jordan Howard. Like this is a veteran with a pedigree that teams have loved. They bring him in in the off season. He's active last week because everyone was else was out. And then they deactivate him this week. And that's to me signaled like they're either really high on DeAndre Washington or really high on Ahmed. It ended up being they're really high on Ahmed. And the other thing is, is like, we've seen this with Miles Gaskin. And it's also a funny irony that he also is out of UW as well but they don't care about draft capital they aren't chasing things or trying to save face with picks like yeah they traded for matt Breida. yeah they traded for they brought in howard and free agency they traded for deandre washington they don't care they'll play the best guy and right now selvan ahmed if you're getting 21 carries in a target in here i mean that's very valuable and they play denver in the Jets. so we're talking about how to squeak into your league playoffs i mean ahmed could legit be a difference maker for you over these next few weeks and you probably get at least one more week 
week of Ahmed before Gaskin's available because he's on IR. And we've seen also that could take longer. Like it's a three week IR, but Gaskin could easily be out a little bit longer than that. And, and at this point you're in your, your playoff cruising area. And I, I would agree. Ahmed's a strong play. And actually I'm kind of pissed at myself. I should have taken him ahead of MVS because you weren't going to take MVS, but that's my mistake. Pete, you get one more pick. Well, I know I'm upset. Him. I think after I kind of talked it out, I'm like, he probably should have been the uh, one of the top. Yeah, he should have been just... the first one. Honestly, I just I was looking at Rex Burkhead on the TV and was like, Rex Burkhead. I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know what I'm going to do here, though? I'm going to double dip on Dolphins players with Jakeem Grant mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, his role has just been really steady back to back weeks with five targets. Preston Williams is now, uh, you know, done for the season. And the oh, I didn't other see bet- that. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so he's done. And so it's basically, you know, him and uh, Parker who are in most of their two wide sets. And I don't think he's ever going to be like a target monster, but he has like very electric, big playability. We saw him take uh, a TD to the house on a punt return today as well. So you can get that double dip as well. You'll still get those six points for the punt return in addition to his receiving work. So I think he's a nice add, um, especially in leagues where you can start multiple wide receivers. Yeah, some whiffs of, of Curtis Samuel to him, where I do think, you know, a gadget guy who's viewed as a gadget guy, but, you know, despite his size, he can run some routes and he can be viable. And yeah, I guess a smart one. They, I think they traded Isaiah Ford deliberately to make room for him, if we're being honest. So I think that's a, a savvy one. Um, for me, I guess I'm going to go, I'm going to go straight back up here. Cause we've seen this guy actually get some good results today, but I do think, you know, if God forbid, Josh Jacobs went out, Devonte Booker is looking like a monster. Like he's really looking like a good player on a per play basis. They're giving him a lot of work now, even with Josh Jacobs, which is a bit of a surprise given how much they also love Josh Jacobs, but Devonte Booker's only 1% rostered and all it takes is Josh Jacobs taking one bad hit to the knee, one hamstring pull, one, whatever. And Devonte Booker is looking at 20 to 30 touches a game and I think he's a he's a sleeping giant here in terms of just if there's an injury he's going to get a lot Um, revenge game aside Pete how do you feel about Devonta yeah no I'm I'm with you I've been stashing him um, and obviously he was above expectation this week just because they had the blowout but I think the reason you stash Booker like you said is he's one of the cleanest handcuffs you have in football right now where you're going to get some standalone value and then he would be uh, you know I don't know a top 12 running back if Josh Jacobs were to go down. So those are the kind of guys at this point in the season, like we know like what you're getting, like you mentioned James white, like, are you winning your league with James white? If he's sitting on your bench, like I'd rather have Devonta Booker on my bench than James white, because I at least know there's a path to him being a league winner. So yeah, I think those are the stashes you should be making. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, about guys who have the upside to make it matter. If you're not playing James White, like don't keep guys you're never going to play. That's an important part of season long, especially which we'll talk about next segment. And I, I'll close out. I got the the turn here. PJ Walker, that's the pick. I, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, we don't know the status, but I promised I was going to take this man and uh, made the case earlier in the show if you are skipping around, but absolute beast in the XFL through a ton of deep balls, has some rushing ability too, at least as much as Teddy Bridgewater does. And we've seen Teddy run upwards of 10 times in games so far. So I do think PJ Walker a potential sleeping giant here for the home stretch if somehow Bridgewater misses extended time. Uh, Pete, who's your final pick in this waiver wire sync draft? 
Yeah, I'll give the people a tight end. Uh, the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause is they have buy, a buy this week. So if you're needing an immediate fill-in, uh, this is not your guy. But we saw Jordan Reed kind of emerge to be the top tight end there. Um, you know, they were working him back last week. So Ross Dwelly actually had the better week, but he had five targets for 62 yards this week, or sorry, five catches for 62 yards. And I just think he's ultimately going to be the guy there while George Kittle is out. And um, we didn't see the red zone usage this week, partly because they weren't in the red zone a ton, but I do think he is going to be the guy for them there. And because tight end is so gross, um, these are guys that I want uh, pieces of, and they're up their schedule after the buy. The, uh, the Rams, Buffalo, and Washington, I think those could all be um, nice games for Jordan Reed to put up good production. No, that makes sense. Brandon Ayuk, though, I do think is the one who's benefiting the most from the injuries. Like, he's been really good. I didn't really realize how good he's been until digging in a little bit more in the numbers this year. But, um, you know, getting about 21% of the yards when he's playing, he's, you know, had the COVID thing, but hasn't has been healthy for the most part after starting slow, getting some touchdowns, had a nice day today. But, um, yeah, there's some love for this, this Niners pass game moving forward. And, Pete, let's segue into this. Uh, make sure you guys hit that like button, of course, if you're watching on YouTube. Five stars and review on Apple Podcasts. We're checking it on there. We wanted to make sure to do this this week, how to sneak into your season-long playoffs, because there are some strategies that you can use to creep into the playoffs if you're on the cusp in a season-long league, and now is the time where you need to make that move. And Pete, to me, the first thing to keep in mind here, if you're setting the table for what you should be doing, if you're like, you know, a four seed in a, or a five seed in a four team uh, playoff situation, whatever your size league may be, you got to look at your wins, but also the points tiebreaker, because if you're ahead in the points tiebreaker, I'm still going for floor plays for the most part. I'm still going for the guys who are sure things. If you are behind a lot in points, I do think you need to start spiking your spiking your upside as best you can, like going to the Curtis Samuels, going to the guys who we know are going to have an upside, but also come with some degree of risk. And I think to me, that's the first thing Pete but do you have any thoughts what would be your first thing to consider if you are a person who's like let's say a six seed in a 10 team league and you're only the top four make the playoffs yeah and I do think it's um it's very team specific like you said if you're on the outside looking in like one thing I have done you need to almost think of it from a GPP perspective like how do I hit like a crazy outcome to help me get that big week to crash it to the point where I you look get in the weeds with the ceiling projections who are these guys maybe take a flyer on Marquez Valdez Scantling you might not whiff but you probably weren't going to make it anyways let's see if you can hit a ceiling. So those are the things I'm doing. And then if I have a lead, if I'm in uh, doing well, I also am starting to look ahead at matchups. And there's also some quirks on some of the different platforms that I think you can take advantage of. So like one example is if you play on Yahoo, um, you can actually drop any bench player after a Thursday night game. So like say this past Thursday, an example would be you add Deontay Foreman. You're not going to start him, but he's the backup to Derrick Henry right now. If Derrick Henry were to get injured, boom, you just landed on Deontay Foreman. If he doesn't get injured and Deontay Foreman does nothing, you can just toss him right back and pick someone else up for the Sunday. So taking advantage of those, one loophole I took advantage of on ESPN this week is our team had added some extra IR slots for uh, COVID basically related purposes. And so I had Carson, um, Chris Carson ruled out this week. So I was able to slide him to out and I picked up the chargers defense because they host the jets next week. So I just used that extra roster spot flexibility to play a defense a week ahead. And then I'll just drop my current defense and promote Chris Carson once I need to. So like finding those little loopholes, trying to manipulate them to just get that extra player, that extra peak, I think is really important. 
And I think too, similarly, you know, if you have a crappy tight end right now, like, I don't know who that'd be for me. I have Evan Ingram in my, uh, my long time season long league. And, you know, I, he's okay enough. I mean, he's been getting 10 targets a game. He was also another chalk player you disappointed today. Surprising chalk almost got up to 20% ownership in the millionaire maker. But I think, you know, if you have a tight end who sucks and you're disappointed, like a Mark Andrews type, like have another tight end, have somebody have the Jordan Reed, pick up that guy. Or, you know, in previous weeks, the Albert or Gooey Boonham, like those guys who have the upside. I'm just showing off by pronouncing that name correctly now. But <laughs> that to me is the thing is like, if you know you're weak in a spot, like pick up two guys who might be an improvement. Like if you're not playing the James Whites of the world, just try to find ways to shore up your weaknesses going in to try to raise your floor, to try to raise your ceiling, I think is a big part. And to me, that also ties into, you know, stream your defense now, especially stream your kicker, stream your tight end. Like if you're playing, if your team is playing the Jets this week and they're not the Patriots, who just got absolutely lit up and apparently now shutting down Lamar Jackson. Um, I think that's the move is you really need to try to optimize it like you should be checking dfs projections you'd be doing all that stuff because on a week-to-week basis like you have to over aggressively manage i think is really how i would feel about it if you're on the outside looking in yeah for sure and one other thing i pulled up i thought maybe i could just run through these quickly is i pulled up so rotoviz has a strength of schedule streaming app and so you can pull up and query by specific date ranges so i thought let's pull up weeks 11 through 13 how about i'll i'll tell you the top three um, schedules at various positions over the next few weeks. And you can give me a couple of your quick thoughts. So um, at quarterback, the next three weeks, the Giants are on by this week, but then they have Cincinnati and Seattle, which we know is really nice. New England, Houston, Arizona, and Chargers, and then New Orleans, Atlanta, Denver, in Atlanta, anything interesting there for you at quarterback over the next three weeks? Uh, Daniel Jones, if he's available, like he's the kind of dude where if your quarterback play isn't that good, a guy like Jones, who we saw break a long rushing touchdown to D, to, uh, TD today, had some also some other quality runs and can spike that passing upside. Like I agree, you know, you're, that's sort of the ideal mix where you're getting a guy who has a floor because of the running, also has some upside if he's comp- uh, completing his passes at the rate that you'd want. So I think that that the Giants one makes sense. And then the New Orleans one, I mean, well, if Jameis were in, like, if, if we know that Breeze is going to miss a week or two, like, you sh- the first thing you should be doing, if you have any auction budget left or you have any whatever, g- get Jameis because that's the ultimate volatility play that could spike a 40-point upside over the next few weeks. For sure, and that's why it's helpful to know the schedule in tandem to what guys are opening up because you might have been like, oh, Jameis, whatever, but then you know, like, hey, they're home versus Atlanta, then get Denver, and then Atlanta again. So, I mean, that's super nice, Um, and I agree. I think Jameis would be a great speculative ad. Let's move over to running back here. Over the next three weeks, the best schedules are Chicago, even though they're on bye after this week, then Indianapolis and Philadelphia. I think there's some interesting guys there as well. Yeah, David Montgomery, He, I mean, he's definitely out for Monday Night Football, but he, I mean, if he's out for a longer period of time, Lamar Miller expected to make his debut, but Ryan Nall is a guy they've kind of had yeah. a, a little bit of a crush on for the last few years. And he's like, I, I think I forgot what somebody called him, but he's like the, the bear equivalent of Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> like not, not the Chicago bear, but like a hairy large man <laughs> equivalent of Christian McCaffrey. And um, Ryan Nall to me is a dude I would pick up because uh, one thing that jumped out with Montgomery, I was going to mention it for the ride or die picks. You know, his share of the yardage is like obscenely high for the bears this year. Like I didn't, I was shocked by it, but um, and this is an estimate because it's based on games played and stuff. I don't have a perfect way to pull this number, but he's at 74% of the team's total yards <laughs> like so yeah. far this year. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And he sucks. But like, so if Ryan Nall is like, okay, like he's going to be pretty good for a guy that nobody else is going to play if your running backs are terrible. Yeah, and I also think we've seen this happen so much that I I think people 
like Duke Johnson wasn't even that hot of a commodity on the waiver wire this week because everyone's like, oh, it'll just be one week. And then all of a sudden you see David Johnson get placed on IR for three weeks. Like we see these trends emerge and I think it's better to be fast than to try to account for the whole picture. And so to your point, I think you add Ryan Nall and and see what happens. Obviously, you're probably going to have to add him um, after this comes out. Although I will say in some leagues, if you have a guy on by or a guy that is going Monday night and you're able to add Ryan Nall, you know, you'll, you'll be listening to this Sunday night or Monday. Um, I think that's smart. And then the other thing with those two other schedules, I mentioned Indianapolis and Philadelphia, we have two backup running backs on both of those teams who have been doing good in Jordan Wilkins and Boston Scott look great today mm-hmm. for the Eagles. So again, these are speculative ads, but you know, if things break in your favor, that the schedule is also really forgiving. And I want you to do the wide receiver schedules too, just so we have that. But before we do, because I, I think this dovetails with one point I had on our, our segment sheet here, uh, be aggressive about injuries. And I think this is something that you you kind of picked up on with Jakeem Grant, but Jakeem Grant with Preston Williams out and also Isaiah Ford getting traded uh, today, Brandon Ayuk with Debo Samuel out. Like if there is a guy who's shown promise on a, you know, a yards per route basis is what I like to look at. But if there's a guy who's going to get a big uptick in playing time, you know, if you, if you know NBA DFS is the same thing as like, oh, um, Jamal Murray, Murray's out. This guy's going to start like there's more usage to go around because Jamal Murray shoots so much. That's the case for a lot of these too. So I do think, you you know, combining these processes, combining, you know, Ryan Nall is filling in or Lamar Miller is filling in and then David Montgomery gets so many touches that it doesn't even make sense. Uh, you know, those are the spots where you have some advantage. So uh, that's one thing I wanted to make sure we hit on. Pete, uh, the wide receiver st- uh, schedule of strength. What are those guys? Yeah, so a little bit of overlap with the quarterbacks, which sure. makes sense. So you have the Giants, New Orleans, and then Miami. I think the Miami one's interesting in that we just talked about Jakeem Grant. You can probably get him on the waiver. They are at Denver, at New York Jets, and then home versus Cincy, which is a really nice schedule. And uh, New Orleans as well. I guess maybe if someone dropped a Emmanuel Sanders, I'm a little less excited about that one. The Giants, I don't know what's going on with Golden Tate. I think I, I was in one of my keeper leagues and someone actually dropped Darius Slayton. So maybe there's stuff like that floating around. Anything else jump out to you with those three teams? I, you know, I would say with the Giants, I, the one thing receiver wise, it'd just be like, I'd watch out for Austin Mack. I'd watch out maybe for a Golden Tate buyout. It is odd though, that like he got benched last week and then he was back in today. And Austin Mack was a dude who looked actually pretty good. And I would have thought you give him some more run this week. But um, yeah, I think that's, I think those guys do seem appropriate. And you know, you could also probably try to stack too. That might be a thing for season long where you're trying to get that ceiling, trying to get that upside. You're going to have more risk, but at this point, you know, if you're really on the outside looking in, like if you're behind in points, you're also behind a couple wins, try to get that correlation up. In season long, I wouldn't normally advocate for it quite as much, but I do think that's one part. And the one last thing I wanted to hit on too, um, if you have guys who like have been getting the volume, but just haven't been good, I think you need to ride with those guys a little more. Like as long as they're still getting the work and the matchups aren't terrible. Um, Like the Cowboys, I'm trying to think, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but like if they're playing, uh, you know, I'll just pull it up for the sake of this, this segment so we can get through it. But um, like Zeke, if he's still getting 20 touches a game and they're playing games that should be closer, like playing the Vikings next week, you know, to me, that's where you want to play Zeke. And I get he's burned you, but he's going to get better results down the stretch. I think because we just know the longer term sample size, uh, you know, and that's just not a perfect example, but Zeke though, the next two weeks, Vikings and the Washington football team on Thanksgiving, I believe. So, you know, like those guys, I'd feel like I wouldn't give up on them entirely because I know how people get, especially casual players in season long where it's like, Oh, Zeke has sucked for so long. But you know, if they show a little bit of a sign of improvement behind Garrett Gilbert or behind Andy Dalton, whatever it may be. And Zeke is still getting 20 touches. Like he could be that dude down the stretch and you don't want to miss out on playing him after you invested all that capital in him and already have been burned for half the year. 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough situation. Like you said, if the underlying peripherals are there, then uh, you just have to ride it out because there's nothing worse than zigging right when the uh, the volume correction hits. I have one of the toughest situations for me is in uh, one of the keeper leagues I, I care about the most. I have Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, and it has been so, so frustrating. This week I played Goddard over mm-hmm. Andrews, and I guess it's TBD to see if that works out. I mean, the tight end position this week has been an absolute wasteland when Rob Gronkowski is the highest scoring tight end on the slate. But um, yeah, it's tough because I get it. Like, I feel it. Like, I don't want to play Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, yet I also know that they still have an upside that most waiver options aren't going to have. Yeah, I played a lot of Andrews tonight in the showdown, which I, you know, I'm, I haven't been following closely what I've been doing the show, but um, he had the perfect matchup once again today where the Patriots have given up 100% completion rate to tight ends <laughs> and he's uh, still not busting out from what I've seen so far. But uh, those are some of the picks. Any other, any other things you want to hit on, Pete, before we go on to our ride or die plays for Monday night? Yeah, and it, I think it also just depends on your um, league formats. You know, I play in a lot of these FFPC leagues, and you can hear me talk about that on the on my podcast, Ship Chasing, where the settings are actually different. If you drop someone now in this range, they can't be added by anyone else. It's kind of like a anti-collusion measure mm. they have. So there's some quirks in that. And then also for their main playoffs, the waivers shut off for weeks 14 through 16. So you're actually having to protect yourself against stuff. So I know I also have some ESPN leagues where once your fab is gone, you can't make any pickups for free. So also just knowing like, Hey, I need to leave three or $4 here so I can, you know, get a new kicker, get a new defense. I think that stuff is important as well. Yeah, there's definitely not as much minutia on a week-to-week basis in season-long as there is in, like, DFS, but I agree. I think those are hopefully enough things to get you guys through. And if you have any questions, you know, tweet us at Splash Play Pod, or, you know, if you're tweeting me or Pete, you know, it depends on our schedules, but we'll mostly we'll reply to you guys if we can and try to help you guys out. So uh, make sure you're doing all these things, and hopefully it does help you out. Any questions, let us know. Uh, hit that like button, guys. It's a home stretch now. Ride or die picks for Monday Night Football. And, of course, the mar- ride or die picks every week presented by Thrive Fantasy, our friends we talked about earlier. They're doing free rolls for us. So you could have won money if you just put an entry in or two entries in. You could have won even more. Uh, did, didn't know that part. Next week, I will know for sure to put in two entries. But uh, make sure you're playing on Thrive Fantasy. Uh, it's a really fun site. It's uh, all prop bets based. You're choosing 10 out of 20 available props for each slate. Thrive is over $75,000 in guaranteed prizes weekly and is awarded over $1.75 million in cash prizes so far use the promo code uh, splash over at thrivefantasy.com or by downloading thrive fantasy in the app store or the google play store and uh get in now get in for for a free roll next sunday we'll be doing that again next week and again a lot of people winning money this week and this builds your bankroll it's all it helps out play the smaller sites where there's less sharp players all right the ride or die play records uh, i'll update it later but let's just say that pete so far dominating the week based upon some of his Clever plays, including the ones that he mentioned earlier. Uh, Brandon Ayuk over 20 fantasy points. Chase Claypool over 20 fantasy points. Marvin Jones over 20. I got uh, Nick Chubb over 20, so that feels good. But besides that, not a great week for me. So, Pete, I will let you go first here. Who is your ride-or-die pick in this game between the Vikings and the Bears, where there is a 23.3-point implied total for the Vikings and a 20.3 implied total for Chicago, a 42.5 over-under in this game. 43.5, excuse me, over-under in this game. And uh, also some wins potentially at Soldier Field, Pete. And just so I know, are we doing our generic one, or is this our our Thrive A generic one first, and then we'll do a Thrive one, too. Okay. Um, you know, I will, um, I'll keep just doubling down on these guys that, um, might most likely not be the showdown winning captain, but have the upside to do so. And, uh, I still like Justin Jefferson 
a lot. Um, I think he's a guy that has shown the upside to, uh, to get there. And even if he doesn't do it most weeks, I will chase the weeks he does. So Justin Jefferson showdown captain. This is a tough one because we don't know Allen Robinson's status yet. And if Robinson is out, like I want a Mooney captain, but if Robinson's in, I'd prefer to go to him. Um, I guess I, can I take Robinson with a contingency for Mooney if he's out? Yeah. Okay. So Robinson showdown captain, if he's out, play Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney has shown that he could pick up and hold a lot of that Robinson value. And uh, honestly, still playable even if Robinson is in, but I think he has a lot more upside if Robinson is out. Um, even with the win situation going on there. And Pete, your Thrive pick to close this out, of course, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code SPLASH over there to get your deposit matchups of $50. Who is it? Yeah, I'm looking at the props lobby right now. They have Dalvin Cook, rush yards plus receiving yards at 100.5. Derek Cardi has it projected for 114 rushing yards and 26 receiving yards. So that's just an absolute smash over. Um, you know, you can pick... Um, a, a different uh, amount of picks depending on what your multiplier is to pay out. But I think Dalvin Cook should be a bedrock of your parlays on Thrive. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good call there. Obviously, we all know Dalvin. We've talked about uh, the very the various machinations of playing him or not playing him. Um, so I'm with you on that. Uh, I'll take Adam Thielen getting the over 58.5 here. I, I do like his potential in fantasy. The yardage, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I, I do think he's a very good showdown play, especially. And I'll, I'll ride that along to the Thrive Fantasy picks because I don't feel comfortable taking one of the Mooney or Allen Robinson prop bets. So those are our picks. Play over at ThriveFantasy.com. Use the promo code SPLASH. Pete, anything you want to hit on here? I cannot believe the Ravens are blowing this game, by the way. This is amazing. But uh, anything you want to hit on or plug before we call it quits? No, I, uh, I appreciate you guys uh, coming along the ride with us this year. I, I, it, I know this is like such a, an old person thing to say, but like, I can't believe it's week 10, but I truly can't believe it's week 10. Like looking at the playoff schedule, I was like adjusting the weeks. I had it to week 14. I was like, no, the playoffs start week 14. I mean, we literally have three more weeks until the fantasy playoffs. So uh, man, this year has flown by. It has flown by. Make sure you're doing the best you can down this road here and adjust your expectations based upon the actual data. Don't just keep thinking things are going as they are. Willie Sneed, uh, alive for captain. The touchdown, Willie Sneed. <laughs> fucking, fucking Willie Sneed. What an asshole. <laughs> wow. to the end of the show so that we just get all the curses out. This piece of shit, Willie Sneed. <laughs> either way follow at peter overs at follow at chris specs follow at splash play pod the first thousand people on instagram and twitter get followed back subscribe to the notification bell give us our five stars and review on apple Podcasts, and use that promo code splash over at thrivefantasy.com those are all the plugs for the week thank you guys for watching or listening whatever you're doing we'll be back thursday night with uh we're scheduled to have roto pat pat doherty on uh so hopefully he'll be coming through we'll have a, a good show with pat but um tune in then and we'll see you guys again soon